Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. Sat opposite me is Andy Wood. Hello, hello. We're indoors. It's very windy. Yeah, it's last week it was so hot that we were being attacked by mosquitoes, and this week it's so windy we're in my bedroom. The elements are conspiring to keep us aside. Don't understand it. It's uh, it's it's, it's an evening record. Uh huh. Just want to set the scene. <laughs> should we should we get straight into introducing our guest? Because I I'd yeah, like to get our guest involved. This is someone who is. Briefly over in the US, uh, we've had a fair few English guests coming on from time to time, but this guest is probably the person I've known in comedy for longer than anyone else. That's true, I'd say. I, I'd say Mr. Tom Bell. Who good was, evening, good morning. Hello. Hello. Very fine comedian, actor, sketch performer. Thank you, Matt. Wow. It's, you say something nice about me as well, Andy. Uh, I, I was a big fan. We talked about this, and I, <laughs> I didn't mention this before we started recording, so I don't know if this is a road we can go down, but I know you primarily through Project Greenlight. Right, yes. Um, and uh, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> maybe I was that in, should be the end of the covers. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. I was... Uh, as, the, as an actor in the film within that, the show. Yeah, that was my first job over here. I, I'd been working back in the UK. And I met Matt at uni, and then last year I came out and did the the leisure class out here. So, and how did you get that's first? That's me. I'm I'm, a, I'm the guy in the leisure class. Oh, oh, the sexiest we, guy. We got a phone call. You know what? I hate to interrupt you, Tom, but um, no, no, this is, a, pri- take this. is a private investigator. Let's take this on the air. Sure. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Matt here. How's it? How are you? This is Matt. Yes, and Andy's here too. Hey there. Andy. They're not his friends. Yes, this is this is a really dumb thing, but we it's just become a running joke on the podcast, and now we've got to the point of like listeners are like we want we want to know who's next door, who's next door, and then at some point someone mentioned a private investigator, and then I mentioned it to Emery, and he went, well, I know a private investigator. Now you you want to now here's the thing without conducting actual surveillance, because even though that person is in the house, the house may not be in their name. It's right. definitely not. They're and definitely normally, renting. And normally, because when I know when I put people in places, it's an entirely different name. It may be in the name of a corporation or trust or whatever. Okay. And that person hides out there. Well, the information I have is that it was recently sold, uh, and that buyer is not renting, is not living in the house. They're renting it out to this other person. So the 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 the, the land is definitely not in their name. We're just trying to figure out who's renting temporarily. Um, and uh, yeah, it. How, how did you find out that it was maybe some a movie person? I heard from my roommate who heard from a, a carpenter who does work in the area that some quote-unquote big movie star moved in next door and is paying, I don't know, $10,000 a month in rent. And it is a nice house. It sold for like $3 million last year. Um, so, so it's feasible. But I mean, you know, probably not a huge star, but it could be someone of note. Yeah, so we're just curious who, uh, if, the, if there's an easy way, a cheap way of finding out who it is, because I haven't seen him. I've only seen his wife and the nanny and kids. Hmm. Well, there's no cheap way other than going up there and finding out who they are and knocking on the door. Uh, that would be the cheaper way. Uh, the, the, the non-cheap way is to, get, uh, is to put surveillance on it. And, and <laughs> That's so unnecessary. That's so we can't do that. I know, but that, I mean, that's the only way, because I bet you they're mired down to so much paperwork that, you know, we'll never find out who that, who's actual, the occupant. Right. You know what I mean? Because this the occupant is who you're looking for. Correct? Right. And the occupant, it'll probably be leased in by some shell company that'll... Right. 
Exactly. So whoever there, they um, without having eyes on and conducting surveillance, it'll be almost impossible. But unless you know that when they come and go, and 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 you can get someone to take some pictures, and then just figure it out from there, hmm. because all the vehicles they would be in would not be registered to the occupant. Oh, why wouldn't the ve- why wouldn't the vehicles be registered to them? Because normally that's not how it works. Because it has to be everything has to be private and discretionary. Okay. So the vehicles will be registered to some limo place, or if they're working on a movie, they're being shuttled back and forth by a car service. Okay. Okay. Very sad when they're being their personal vehicles. I mean, it can happen, but. I highly doubt it. I've never, anytime I've ensconced people away, it's always a car service. And uh, that way there's nothing can get back, can be traced back to them because the paparazzi are ruthless. Right. Well, I mean, who knows if this person's exaggerating and maybe it's just, you know, like a, a character actor. Maybe it's like, um, I, c- I can't even think of an example of a character actor Joe right Pesci. now. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Jesse Plemons. I don't know. Um but it it should be it'd be interesting to know just because I've never seen the the man of the house there and it's that's fascinating to me that it's been like six months. Oh wow! Now I'm curious about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, wow! Now I'm curious about it. But yeah, that is the only way that um, that I would know to do that. That is the that is the uh, only way. I feel like that is probably an excessive and overpriced way for us to get I think we might have to come back to our listeners and go uh yeah we spoke to a professional and he said the only way to do it is with surveillance on the house and that's creepy yeah (laughs) that's super creepy yeah because I mean that's the only way the paperwork is going to be misleading because the occupant is not necessarily the owner alright man well yeah I think I think we might have to let our listeners know that that's short of a coincidental meeting. It's it's been a, it's going to be a dead end unless oh, no, we. I wish I... Oh no problems. What's the name of your show again? Uh, probably science is the show. Oh, I love that stuff. I was on uh, the Art and Atheist. I'm a fellow atheist. Oh, cool. Memory, so awesome. I was oh. on the Art and Atheist about a year or so. Ago. I love that show. Well, if you oh, don't, nice. if, if you don't mind, we're probably going to leave this conversation in the podcast. We, is that we're okay? We're recording at the moment, so this is probably being picked up in the mic. We can delete every bit of this conversation, or if you're okay, we could leave it in. Oh no, go ahead, play it, play it. Awesome. Excellent, excellent. Oh, play it, play it. Yeah, I just um, matter of fact. To give you a little bit of my background, I'm one of the official security analysts for the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, okay. And uh, I've just been—I'm in the issue for the Oscars about Joe Biden's security. I've been in two issues: one this year, one last year. Just to give a little background on myself. Do you, do you want to give your yeah. name as well? Because currently huh? you're just voice on the other end of the line. My but... name is Anthony Burnside. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Yeah, for... If you if you just Google my name, there's a great article from 435 South Magazine. They did a great article on it. Explains exactly what I do. How it breaks down. So awesome. Uh, you, yeah. So uh, you guys are welcome to look that up. Well, thank, thank you so well, much. Thank you so much. We should get back to the rest of the recording. But thank you, and and listeners. There you go. There's no way for us to find out without us being super creeps or, and running or just, surveillance or being normal neighbors and knocking on the door and saying hi. I guess. Yeah, you could go around with like fake goods and say, <laughs> right. "Hey, welcome to the neighborhood." Or ask to borrow some sugar, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, like I yeah. I noticed you just moved in half a year ago. Um, so. <laughs> 
I brought baked goods, and I and I just if you want to have a conversation for a bit while I look over your shoulder for a guy. But... <laughs> That's funny. I like that. So, just 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 a little surveillance tick. You might you might want to use that one at some point. <laughs> just, yeah, just a, just a, just a little stalking. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, stalking yeah. is healthy. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Anthony. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Stay in touch. Is there anything else I can do for you? Please let me know. Will do. Will do. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 Well, that was exciting. Yes. So you probably don't have context on this, but you might have figured out from what we were saying. So it seems like you guys are creeping on your neighbors. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, that's See, someone's evil. moved in next door, and but they're a big deal, and you you kind of miss the window of opportunity to say hi. Yeah. Well, even when we started, you know, and then you're like, it's like when someone's told you their name a few times and you can't remember their name and then yeah. you're like it's too late to ask them again and even when it was first mooted on the show and I think I was the one who brought up the idea but still the idea of going to a private investigator or security like even even if it was just a matter of them using special private investigator Google and typing it in that right. still started to feel a bit creepy for me so by the time oh, they're like it's- you'd have to run surveillance on the place I'm like I admire the uh, the high level decision you know you're like what's what's the most elaborate way we can find out? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think that's even close to the most elaborate way we can find door. out. I anyway, think, uh, I think most elaborate would probably be some kind of Mrs. Doubtfire type scenario. Yeah. <laughs> we just should we not just like have like a kickabout and accidentally knock a ball over there or something, <laughs> and then be like, and Matt, you could probably pass as a kid who's lost their ball. I think, yeah. <laughs> Just get him one of hey, those mister. hats with a propeller on top. Yeah. <laughs> the all-American children yeah. hat. I was playing hoop and stick, and my hoop <laughs> seems to have crossed if over I, oh, into... Oh, some freckles oh, on sorry. my cheek. <laughs> sorry, sir. Black out one of your front teeth. Yeah, yeah, right. Just do the English sort of Victorian urchin. That's, yeah. They're, they're going to love that. They're we do have finger lifts you gloves. You can just... Yeah. 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 Why, mister, if it, if, it ain't, if it ain't the master of the house here... <laughs> Well, I just, oh, I must find the master of the house to apologise to him in person, for I have broken that window. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, wait till Christmas, go around and sing some carols. <laughs> There's lots of ideas. Which is, the, that's another interesting, the, this whole neighbourhood is Orthodox Jewish families, with the exception of those neighbours next door. They, they had uh, Christmas things up around the holidays, so, yeah, we could, they're, they're the only house we could conceivably carol to, so... So we've got some clues. They love Christmas. They love Christmas. <laughs> the father hates his family. Yeah, because right. it's really I do see the children and the nanny, and I've met the mother. Um, what are we short of here? Just the actual dude. I know oh. her first name, and I was like, maybe I'm being sexist to assume that the actor that was being referred to is the is the man of the house. So I googled uh, her first name and actress, and only one comes up. There aren't that many. Um, now I, for, I forgot if it was Amanda or. Or uh, it was either Amanda or Amber, and either way, googling those brings up like Amber Heard or Amanda Tamblin or Amber Tamblin or and Heard's married to Depp, which would make sense that probably Johnny Depp, right? And then one of them's married to David Cross, and I don't think David Cross lives next door, so I don't think the actor is the woman. I think it's the man. Assuming there is, it could be a, a, a couple. It could be two women. Who life partner? I don't know what the situation. I don't want to make any assumptions. Um, but it's been too long now to just go knock. So it's going to remain a mystery and I'm sure they'll move out before I ever find out. And it also could be the case that, that my roommate or the person telling him the story is full of shit 
and it's just uh-huh. some dude. Well, there's also, yeah, it, there's different people have wildly different ideas of what constitutes a movie star. Right, right. Like it could be like Michael Madsen or something. You know, that would be pretty cool. I don't. Would it? I don't know. <laughs> I did a movie. Yes, we have a movie <laughs> star true. here. Why are we worried Bring about it right back around neighbor? to me, there, guys? I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, um, if, I don't know if is it okay to talk a little about your experience on Leisure Class and Project Green Light? If- yeah, yeah. Well, it bought me the house next door. So, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been a bit. It yeah, was, of course. I was. I it was wasn't hooked. very sciencey. Uh, no, no, can, no. We'll get into uh, the science. But I, yeah. I was. I was hooked on that show. I would come into work every day with Matt and be like, Matt, you gotta watch this show. It's riveting. Um, but I feel like somewhat at the expense of the people involved in making the movie. They wanted the TV <laughs> show was. Uh, was yeah, made it's funny because I, ba- I was back in the UK when the show aired, so I wasn't. Um, I was sort of just. I, I didn't know how it was, but so I've come coming back here. It's been quite nice to uh, talk to people who've seen the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, just um, yeah. I mean, it was it was very much. It, you know, my feeling on it is uh, not. I wasn't in it enough. <laughs> I should have <laughs> had more. Show. I should have had more fights or yeah. something. I think it was one of those things that people getting on and having a nice time doesn't make great TV. Yeah, why would they leave? So it? they focused on anything that was sort of a bit more uh, raucous and, and fraught. Oh, because you were just being like, oh, I'm being a good actor in this film within the TV show, right? Having a great. I was just smashing it, and everybody yeah. was very impressed, and it didn't didn't make good TV. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much became the story of the director and that one line producer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who I met recently. The producer? Yeah. Uh, we were sat next to each other at this award show that I went to a couple of weeks ago. And I did that thing of going, like, she introduced herself. And I went, oh, I think we met. And then realized <laughs> a sentence or two later that we hadn't met. I'd just seen her in t- on right, TV. Right. I, I was that person. Like, we know each other. We've met. Yeah. Uh, because I'd only seen episode one and maybe... I'd only seen two episodes of right. the show at that point. So I... It was particularly when it was when you're in a reality show, and I know this because I was in a reality show. Oh, right, oh right. yeah, of course. Um, that it occupies a space in people's brains, particularly you know, even more funny. so than I've, any I've, other. I've had that a lot. People have said, I, "Oh, we've met. I've met." They said it to me. They're like, it, "It's like, yeah, it's not like I've yeah. seen you on TV. It's more like, oh, I've I've sort of know you from the real world." Yeah, far more so than I think if you were known for an acting role or something or some other aspect of being on tv or film right anything that is in the world of reality um mm-hmm. really makes people think that they know you from their actual lives yeah it's great but then you have to be because a few times people are like oh my god we've met how might not i meet you i know you from somewhere oh yeah i never want to go of, like oh you've seen me on tv <laughs> yeah you can't go actually it'll be um you've seen me on uh, hbo and they're like no, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, right, like, okay. No, I don't have HBO, so... Uh... No, I don't watch that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I don't Oh, know. wait, were you in Ralph's yesterday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were in front of me at Ralph's, so the st- checkout. You steal from me. Yeah, something like that. You know, you know. Um, well, thank you for watching Project Unite. Yes, um, and, yeah. the, and the leisure class, which was very class. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were very um, funny in, in that. <laughs> thank you. So Johnny Depp, if you haven't watched the... it, jump in. Johnny Depp's children, by the way... Uh, uh, he has a son who would be approximately 14 and a daughter would be approximately 17. Does that tally nah. with the kids over the road? No, no. It's, it's like I don't think Johnny Depp lives next door, guys. All right. I'm pretty sure. It's not Johnny Depp. Doing better than <laughs> we that. have ruled out Johnny Depp. <laughs> like, it's a nice enough neighborhood, but don't. Come on. Yeah. It's, he's it's doing not. all right. He's, and also, I think he lives in LA anyway, so why would he be renting a place that's not as good as his yeah. existing house? My initial hope, speaking of Project Greenlight, was that maybe this was as... Uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner were parting ways. Maybe oh, he right. had moved in with the nanny. Then I Googled her name and it wasn't whatever that name was. So 
Okay, so we've now ruled out two movie stars. Mm-hmm. Well, so we'll, if we just go through yeah. all the yeah, movie stars one by one. of elimination thing. <laughs> all right, who's uh, Clint Eastwood married to? <laughs> I can think of like three or four more. So we... Yeah, how many movie there's stars least, are there? There's, there's at least not... ten. Yeah, are there more fair. than ten movie stars? I don't know. Well, probably, probably a few more. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a couple more. I guess that's why there's so many movies. You know, yeah. we'll never find out the name of, of that person next door, but you know what we might find out the name of pretty soon? <laughs> My favorite story from the week in oh, yeah. sort of science. Yeah, we might as well get straight into a story. It's barely a science story. It's just a thing that's made me laugh It's a all story day. connected. to It's science adjacent. <laughs> it's science it's the name of... Every, everyone knows this story now. This went around the world, but it doesn't stop it from being fun. Yeah, this is not... Okay, this a is a scientific research vessel... The National Useless. Environment Research yeah. Council uh, has opened up suggestions to name a new ship, which is a uh, 200 million pound, as in uh, the, the currency. As in approximately $300. $300 million. million um, it, it is going to be uh, operational in 2019. It's set to sail the waters of Antarctica and the Arctic, carrying a team of 90 scientists and support staff. Um, ton for ton, the ship, together with NERC's existing two blue water research ships, will provide the UK with the most advanced floating research fleet in the world and will help put the UK at the forefront of ocean, ocean research for years to come. So because they have this giant groundbreaking vessel that's going to be operational soon, they said, let's put this out to the public to decide what the name of this should be. Um, and some of the suggestions were things like David Attenborough, Falcon, Endeavor. But uh, number one with a bullet is the name RRS Bodie McBoatface. The ship might end up being named Bodie McBoatface. You know what? I haven't, I've read it so many times, but I haven't heard it out loud. Bodie McBoatface. Until you sort of said it, and it has it's a, actually better out loud. Yeah, it has a real regal charm to it. It's <laughs> yeah. It's lovely, and it, and, it, and it brings in our Scottish brethren, and it really just... It's, it does, doesn't it? It really point. stays true to the UK's Celtic heritage as well yeah, as they have a, nautical a heritage. Naval... Um, strength in the north as well you know so that's yeah perfect. they said they'd like the name to be inspirational mm-hmm. and about environmental and polar science to help us tell everyone about the amazing work the ship does so naturally <laughs> Bodie McBoatface <laughs> suggested by communications manager James Hand who later tweeted an apology for his input is the most popular choice one um, of the other options I think in there was um, all one word not the Titanic not the Titanic is also a very good name for the ship <laughs> But, I mean, they always have the option of overturning this, but I think, really, it would be the best PR move ever to just say, yes, the people have spoken, this is a high-tech research yeah, ship. they do have the out where it goes to a committee, but... But how great would it be? Unless the real tragedy would be if this thing goes down in a perfect storms-type situation, and then people have to be, like, issuing emergency calls over right. radio for Bodie McBoatface <laughs> and its entire crew have gone missing. Um... <laughs> now here's my question and I don't know whether this is me, me, me being like a knee-jerk liberal oversensitive person but mm, are go. you able to call like anything like a an object or a person or anything Bodie McBoatface if it's not actually allied with the McBoatface clan oh right you can't wear the tartan of the McBoatfaces uh, yeah you are you is this cultural appropriation here I, d- I need to make sure we're good oh, on I this, see. this it's, is like, this it's is like, like all the Americans going to Scotland to try to find their tartan yeah. yeah, is it a bit like that? Yeah, there's a it's shop like... in Edinburgh that sells Princess Diana tartan. Yeah, that is true. And I'm sure she's not she's a clan. It's, well, I think it's like Diana Memorial tartan. Yeah, yeah. when you want to, you know, be sad about, <laughs> about the death of someone you never met a couple of decades ago. Remember or- two decades ago when someone you never met died? Well, here finally in too in so- plaid. Too soon, Matt. Come on. <laughs> 
Do you guys remember where you were when you found out? Yeah. Where were you? Well, I do because it was, it was, uh, it was late at night or the early hours in the morning mm, in the yes. UK, and I was still up at home. I was watching TV. I, it was. Oh no, no! I mean, when you heard about Boy the Big Boatface. Well, it was uh, late at night, and I was. <laughs> the funny thing, Brit- the British people are—it's um, pe- British people are so proud of this. There's some real. I think British people think they're like, like, this is the most. This is why Britain is great, because we're not we're not the sort of people to trumpet our own um, brilliance. Even though we're called Great Britain, we're quite like oh. we don't like we're like oh sorry I don't. don't we do love it. celebrating the but slight the naff or the mediocre. It's yeah. sort of almost the ultimate undercutting of grandeur. Yeah, go like this. Where she this never- massive amazing the, the, the massive amazing thing will be called something it shit. Will be- the world oh, leaders oh, yeah. in Arctic research or whatever like <laughs> bite him up bait <laughs> yeah you wanker <laughs> yeah. but I did yeah. your 200 million pound boat is named like a twat <laughs> <laughs> I did want to hear where you were I was joking but I, did, I was curious where you were when, when Princess Day oh I was I was at home watching TV late night and my at my parents where I still lived it was I think was it 97 or 98 I want to say 90, fall of 97 I think you're right because I remember I was still I think I was doing A levels or Applying to university, it was it was around that time that um, it was definitely towards the end of my school, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, yeah, I was I was sta- I was up late and watching TV and planning to see my friend Richard the next day for lunch, and I stayed up really late because the news because it came the news came through in trickles. First, it was like the initial news report was there's been a crash and she's injured, and then it was like she's seriously injured, and then it was like she's dead. And then it was endless tributes and various politicians being woken up. Did, did your family yeah. react to it strongly? Like, were there tears from your parents? There weren't, is it I, there weren't tears, but I, my mum is my mum is a big royalist, and and she loves all of that. She, she loves sort of celebrity stuff. She loves royal, like the royal family, her, her favorite celebrity family, and she buys into all of that nonsense. Yeah, and she's quite conservative in her beliefs uh, across the board, and so. I think she stood in line for hours to sign the book of condolence and then she did it oh. again for the queen mother when she died a few years later. Britain went into meltdown. It was incredible. It was it, very it, weird. It, it was as if it was like I likened it to like the way that like bros and guys can like only get emotional at sport and there's been such like they were so desperate to be emotional that they just they just like weep openly. this is the it's sadness sp- we can agree on <laughs> yeah and there was just a general agreement that you were allowed to be sad and everybody was loving being sad and all like the, the t- like the t- tabloids just ran like black front covers and they dropped all that they usually have like t- tits everywhere and they were like no tits today <laughs> Diana's dead <laughs> That's how you know it, Britain is sad when there's no tits. I remember it being pages and pages as well of, like the, my mum reads the Daily Mail, which also clues you into her politics and general outlook on life. And I remember that was it was something like pages one to twenty something were all given over to various mm. analyses and aspects of the death of Princess Diana and her previous life. Damn. And then page twenty one was Mother Teresa's died. Oh, that was around the same. I forgot. It was about almost that. exactly the same time. <clears throat> Conspiracy. Which at the time, yeah, Mother Teresa, yeah. who I think is about to or has just become a saint, and I remember at the time being like, "Oh, she's done all this stuff, and she gets this one like half page thing, and Prince Diana get these twenty pages, 
And then I've subsequently read loads of things about what a monster Mother Teresa was. Yeah, that's the, that's only come out like in the last ten years. I feel like though, right? Yeah. That Christopher Hitchens wrote that book. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but he wrote a, an entire book basically taking her apart, <laughs> which is the kind of thing Christopher Hitchens does. Uh, what sacred cow do. can I fuck up? Right, right. But uh, but I think the evidence in there is pretty strong, and she did sue. Was she, it just that it was all ego based, kind of? Or? Well, she it was like a lot of it was she ran this sort of cult of poverty where she believed that poverty brought you closer to God. So all of these millions of dollars worth of donations, almost none of them actually went to enriching and improving the lives of these patients in these hospitals. Because they were already perfectly poor to begin with, which is yeah. ideal. And then, yeah, and, and then also uh, they, 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 you know, they weren't given things like the good painkillers and anesthetics and there's just like oh. lots of horrible lots of things that made you think oh she's she's more interested in her legends and her comfort at the expense of millions of people and then obviously yeah. because of strong catholicism also strongly advocated against contraception and condoms in general in countries that yeah she would never have let very us, high she would never hiv let us use them when we were oh really yeah you had to raw like, dog it? I was like, mother, I don't think this is safe. <laughs> and she's like, cool, cool out. <laughs> Be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was 97. That was 97. my 97. It was 97. I'm sorry. It was. It was I just looked it up to be sure. Yeah. It was really, for me, it, yeah, it was a watershed. I mean, Britain had been on a high Britpop blur oasis. Oh, right. Spice Girls. And I think that was the death. Well, it was, was a big, it, it, it was a big thing. It was almost. <laughs> The the queen the queen took a lot of flack for not being sad enough. Oh yeah, that really? was a big thing. She didn't show emo- sufficient emotion, despite the fact that it wasn't her daughter. No, not only was it not her daughter, but you know, and she'd pay for the son, kill. Son, right? yeah, she paid for the kill. <laughs> that, so, but her, she was Diana was the person that her son had divorced. Yeah, she's hurt. Uh, but, but, but in fairness, to, to oh Diana, yeah, they were to, gone by then. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were because, just like separated and dating. Well, at, other people at the very something. least, she was in a car with her new boyfriend. New, yeah. Mm. Um, so they're like, "How can you, the queen, mm. not be sufficiently sad that your ex-daughter-in-law has died while we put cameras on you, and you, who's never shown any emotion on camera ever before in your life, anyway?" And wait, what? So you don't lose the title, but then when he had he remarried, or did he already remarry Camilla at the time? At the time, or was that later? I don't know. I'm not sure She's how that works title, exactly. Right? I think she probably she might She's technically like have not been the Princess Duchess of Wales by that point. Something or other. Yeah. But um, and then Tony Blair went on camera and played it. He played a blinder, so he was the mm. one who went. She was the queen of our hearts, of all our hearts. Yes. And that soundbite was there all the time. So Tony Blair was the one who united the country in in grief. Okay. In the, and it while seemed the, the hateful queen, like you lived your life. Like a candle in the wind. Yeah, that was the that big. Was, and he repurposed. Elton, he, yeah, yeah. He sang at the funeral, and everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And that was the number one. I think that still is ever. like the record. It was that. No, it, it was um, oh, number the, one is Prince of Thieves. Oh, everyone, everything I do, yeah. I do for you. And then it's Candle in the Wind. Wait, that's the number one song of all time. That's the. the that's UK. the. I think <laughs> oh, that's the, the song that stayed. Not the biggest the selling three, song. I think, from memory, it's like it's the wet, song that stayed number one for the longest. Yeah, and I think the next one is Wet, Wet, Wet. Oh, I feel it in. I feel it in my yeah, fingers. Yeah, from four weddings. <laughs> that's, so that's just that's everything you need to know about the UK. That, yeah. is, that is the that's UK. Really you can now pass idea. your citizenship test. Although I, it was sad because Diana really hated AIDS, so it's a shame when she she did. Whereas she was the Princess, of whereas Mother Teresa loved AIDS. Yeah, so right. 
That's why she got 20 more pages in the newspaper. Because mm-hmm. they kept saying stuff like, Diana... W- it would say stuff like, Princess Diana, who was kind to AIDS victims, as if... What was the old, what would you? How else do you? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. There was a thing, and and <laughs> is there a different way to? There was the only a thing royal where... who doesn't beat them and hurl them off a castle. <laughs> she did. She did shake the hands of AIDS patients, right? Uh, at a time when AIDS People and HIV f- afraid of yeah yeah no, the fear that was, is true. The, it, there was, was so pretty, much fear around cool. like what you can catch you can catch it from a toilet seat you can catch it from right. shaking hands or kissing or. And she she was a very public figure who shook the hands of AIDS victims and were like, oh, see, they, you're fine doing that, right. which is a good thing. But also she advocated a, her and Charles together were, and still is in the case of Charles, big advocates for loads of bullshit. He's a big homeopathy guy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh. usually so. And loads of other bullshitty that's a, pseudoscience. That's a bummer. I'm gonna I'm gonna declare Princess Diana science neutral. Okay, <laughs> in terms of like the, the, her contribution. The pluses to the... are outweighed or are matched. Yeah, by the... she was like aliens did the pyramids, what <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> <Not really>. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like royal family, you're all lizards, man. Have, <laughs> have you ever really looked at a pound note? I don't know how, what the equivalent of like the is there are there people that like tell our bill conspiracy people for the UK. I don't know. Yeah, it's like got, you know all the weird shit oh, we have about a our money. On it, man. Like, there's an eye at the top of the pyramid, and that means. The, <laughs> The treasure yeah. is buried. I don't know. Um, if, you, if you look at a 20p the wrong way, it looks... It, yeah. it, blink, it winks at you with its <laughs> second eyelid. Hey, it tells uh, you about the Freemasons. Should we... Uh, hey, Tom, before we get into other so stories... Much science. I love how much science... So much science. I was worried that I wouldn't know enough about science. Oh, no, not a concern. Fortunately, <laughs> it's been I've, I know just the right amount of science for this podcast. Um, <laughs> what is your background in science? We always ask our guests this. Uh, if, if anything, were there classes you enjoyed? Were my, t- I was sort of stripped of my professorship. Um, <laughs> in uh, disgrace. In disgrace. For uh, No, um, science, I... Well, I was... I never studied it beyond GCSE, which the equivalent is, you tell me, I don't know. That's 16. the exams you take when you're 16, and when you then focus down for 18, you go down to three subjects. So you yeah, picked, yeah. you were art subjects all the way. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I did economics, actually, so that's okay. sort of uh, mathsy science in a way, isn't it? Um, and then English and history. But, yeah, I did. Um, I, I was good at it and then for some reason i i just it was i got b's rather than i didn't i just went wrong in my biology exam and it's just i don't want to i don't you know what can we still not, painful no, can we not? It's, it's too i misunderstood photosynthesis or something but uh chemistry was my bag i loved a bit uh, loved a bit of uh, a bit of that Did the bunsen get, burners ever get into it orga- felt dangerous organic? it felt like there was something very uh Turn of the century, that sort of steampunk. You're like, oh my oh, god, right, we're using right. base materials to make things blow. But 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 since then, I've um, back in the UK. I'm one of the presenters on a kids' TV show about science, which um, is called, called Horrible Science. Horrible Science. And I play. Um, and that's is that related to rogue. horrible histories? Yeah. Well, there's a series of books called Horrible Histories and Horrible Science. So there are a series, of, and Horrible Histories has obviously been around for a while, done very well as a show, done really well, and. Um, Ben Miller, who's a very successful comedy actor back home, I don't know if he's known over here, uh, got the rights to Horrible Science, and, and he's a huge science nerd. He's got various degrees. Um, and, yeah, um, he was... Um, ben Miller, he's a comedy actor. He was part of the Armstrong and Miller double-act sketch team. Yeah, yeah. But he was uh, he was in the middle of doing a physics PhD, I think it was, when Armstrong and Miller took off. So he right. was... 
He lives it. Smart science. dude. He lives it. And so he, he kind of helped write and uh, make this show. And I, I played a robot. I was... You gotta have a robot. <laughs> you gotta have a robot. Yeah. <laughs> I was Bob the Robot. What, uh, was, what was the costume like? The costume was cheap. Um, actually, no, the headpiece, it, was, it, look, it looked a, a lot like... Um, I played a lot of robots, weirdly. I've... Um, <laughs> What do you think it is about you that lends itself so well to robot acting? <laughs> I can just really get dead behind the eyes when I need to. <laughs> I just think back to that sad day in 97. Um, and I shut down. No, I don't know. So Bob the Robot was a robot presenter. It was, it was great. Uh, um, you can find pictures online, Bob the Robot, Horror Science. It's basically they, they copied the face from Murphy from Robocop. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah. And then I have like a just lots of foam attached to me and I would and I would travel around on those kind of hoverboards I don't know what you call them out here I've said that a lot I'm like you know those things that have just like when we filmed it nobody had ever seen these things before oh yeah yeah no I think the they are called hoverboards out here yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then literally the second it aired everybody I'm not saying it was because nah. of me but I mean tastemaker but it was great so every week we'd do like an experiment and we'd and then we'd interview um, famous scientists but they were not really them like, like Marie throughout Curie. history yeah. oh, okay people like that you couldn't Excellent. get the real Marie Curie. She is booked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of full. Yeah. So that's my science background. I hope that is good enough. That's great. That's I, yeah, I just Google it and I think you can find... Like, there are a few videos online. There should be a few, yeah. It's, it's only aired in the UK and Australia at the moment. Do you, are if, you recognizable? Please, please buy it if you're in charge of American yeah. TV. <laughs> that would be great. Um, I think that's it. I'm Yeah. I'm the robot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was just wondering how much you... Uh, you'll spot it. How much your face can be seen through. Yeah, yeah, no, good. I demanded that I could breathe because I've done... <laughs> that's, a, that's a really important demand for an actor yeah. to make. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I've done prosthetic shots. I've done like sort of Doctor Who things and you just can't... When you can't breathe or see, you're like, this is... I'm not... This is, <laughs> this is difficult now. No way to work. What, what did you do on Doctor Who? Well, it wasn't Doctor Who. It was um, a spin-off show called Wizards vs. Aliens from... Uh, Russell T. Davis. Okay. And I was uh, Technician Jathro. Uh, oh my God. What is it? I forget my full name. 15? Technician Jathro 15 of subsection Alpha Grex 9. Uh, I was the dork alien alongside yeah. uh, Gwendolyn Christie, who's, who's what she done since. Am I right? According she's, to in, this. she's in everything. She's in everything. According to this, you're Bob the Humanoid. Oh, yeah. Ah. Uh. Well, like a well, Robocop is a humanoid. Like, there's still some, some man in so there. So, do you believe me, who played the role, or do you believe your computer, Matt? Let's... I actually believe the computer. You're right. Yeah. Well, there was a story about that, Two actually. Um, I don't... I, I wasn't going to do this story, but there was a story that someone sent in, and I'll see if I can find it, about our inclination to follow robots. Uh, who was it? Josh Mitchell sent this in. Um, and... If the internet starts working, I'll be able to tell you. Is it the... Okay, I, I've got the article up. If the you Ars Technica article. Yeah. Do you want to go for it, Andy? Yes. Studying people's trust in robots is an academic field, but it's one that's growing in relevance as we embrace a future of driverless cars and ever more powerful artificial intelligence. If we based our expectations on what we see in science fiction, we might expect that people have a profound mistrust in robots. Instead, research from the Georgia Institute of Technology has found that it's possible that we could face the problem of trusting robots way too much. As in, I suppose people would trust, say, Google Maps right. route we, over... We've learned to trust our devices so much. That, yeah. yeah. And I've done that. I followed, particularly in the earlier days of GPS, I, I followed that thing down one-way streets some, before. 
Yeah. It's it, or like across uh, median roads you can't cross because there are medians and um the researchers conducted a study that they will be presenting soon at an international conference on robot human interaction. So the paper hasn't yet been published, although this was, I think, a week ago, so it may have been. Um, but an early press release and preliminary paper give some details of the study, which initially set out to find out whether high-rise occupants would be likely to trust a robot's instructions in an evacuation scenario. The researchers were concerned about uh, with what robot behavior would win or lose people's trust. So the 26 participants used in the experiment had no idea what it was about. They were just asked to follow a robot that had the words emergency robot guide printed prominently on its side. And the first thing the robot was supposed to do was lead them to a room where they would read an article and take part in a survey, all as a distraction from the real task. The robot, however, was designed to display incompetence to half the participants. Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah. It initially led them to the wrong room where it wandered around in circles for a bit before directing them to the correct room. (laughs) <laughs> so it may have seemed unwise to continue following that robot's directions once the participants were in the experiment room. The fire alarm went off and the room filled with artificial smoke. <laughs> and yet, follow it, they did. All 26 of them, even those who had seen some seriously worrying behavior from the robot very recently. This is especially eyebrow-raising as the robot directed the participants away from the exit signs they'd passed on their way in <laughs> and toward the back of the building. In a follow-up survey, 81% of these participants said they trusted the robot, while the rest said that trust hadn't been involved in their decision, justifying it with a variety of reasons. For example, saying they thought the emergency wasn't real or that they had no other choice. This was a surprising result, so the researchers followed up with three small exploratory studies to see just how incompetent the robot had to be before people stopped (laughs) trusting it. The 16 new participants used for these mini-studies were divided into three groups. These groups weren't meant to be compared to each other, but to the original experiment. Although this isn't standard experimental procedure, playing around like this in a small pilot study could point to what future research could be most useful. So the first group witnessed the robot breaking down when it first tried to lead them into the experiment room, with an experimenter saying, well, I think the robot is broken again. (laughs) All five of these participants followed the robot's directions during the fake fire. In the second group of five, the robot broke down while it was leading them to the experiment room, stopping with its arms pointed at the back exit, while the researcher apologized for having for it having broken down. When the fire alarm went off, the robot hadn't moved, and four of the five participants still followed its direction. <laughs> That's incredible. The final group also witnessed the robot breaking down, along with the experimenter's speech. During the emergency, the robot then directed them into a dark room with no visible exit and the door blocked by a large piece of furniture. <laughs> Two of the six participants entered this room. A further two had to be retrieved, the researchers wrote, when it became clear that they would not leave the robot. They're <laughs> just staying with this broken down robot in the dark and And two left via the route they had taken when they entered. So, yeah, it seemed the stressful situation might have been enough to push those people into viewing the robot as a helpful authority figure, allowing them to ignore its past failures. <laughs> Alternatively, this could have less to do with robot trust and more to do with people paying attention to the most salient cues in an emergency, even if that turns out to be dangerous. Do we know what the robot like looked like? That's a that's a question I have. Yeah, does it look, does it look trustworthy? I mean, does it look yeah. mean? Is it, it is it this? I, you would trust some things more than others. Yeah. I trust Johnny Five over a Terminator. I think so. If it's got like Al- a gun for a hand, <laughs> <laughs> although if the Terminator <laughs> yeah. does say, "Come with me if you want to live," is it is it sexy? Is it a sexy robot? Is it a sexy? Robot? Yeah, I would trust a fembot. Yeah, I would trust a sexy robot. 
But yeah, if it's like Ed two hundred nine versus um um uh whatever one of the what, Cylons from the new Battlestar, right? Like yeah, I'm gonna trust Ed two hundred nine a little bit less. Or if it was, I'm kind of picturing it being one of those ones from Star Wars, which is just almost like a box with two legs that just yeah, it just really slowly. It doesn't even. <laughs> and people just following it, going well. Better seems to seems to know. Or what if it's just a seems room? a thing to do? What if it's just a Roomba? What if it's just like a vacuuming <laughs> device that's like this low to the ground? People are still following well, it. The, yeah. Well, the grad student who did it, Paul Robinette, did say the researchers absolutely didn't expect this. Their initial project had been to find out whether people would trust the robot at all, and instead they <laughs> end up exploring the extent of the trust they thought they wouldn't be there in the first place. We I mean, I suppose you, if you looked at it, you go. If you're the sort of person who's like, yeah, I will do a trust experiment with the rope. Is that a good cross section of society? I yeah, don't know. well, it does. It does. This article does have the big caveat that it has. These it hasn't yet been peer reviewed and it's an exploratory study. Okay. Uh, the results of the first experiment were so surprising that the researchers added a few quick tweaks, but they hadn't yet fleshed these ideas out in detail. There's a lot of work left to do here. Yeah, even it if can, it's, even if it's not a huge sample size and it's not properly controlled, it's still a fucking funny story. Like, it's yeah, still a great. It is. <laughs> Well, they still, the next thing they need to do is work out how badly a robot would have to behave before people ignored it and paid attention to other less fallible directions. Right. And here is a picture, actually. They have the rescue bot picture. Oh, so. okay. There's no face on it. it just, I, li- I like it, yeah. But it does look very so official. It, it's got, it it's does got look like four it not- wheels. It's got, like, <laughs> it looks like a moving emergency sign, right? Yeah. With like yeah, it's got a sort of lights. two, um, for the people who can't look at the links on while they're listening to the show, Right. it sort of, it has four wheels at the base that look like sort of buggy wheels um a sort of cylinder a a smaller cylinder around it that looks like a sort of rotating sign that says emergency guide robot so it's like an emergency exit sign and then sticking out above that almost like two long glow stick antennas right uh, I don't know what those were. It's probably to be to like to be more emergency lighting or something emergency, yeah. you know yeah it, it really looks like what a 70s TV show would make an emergency robot. Yeah, it's very Buck <laughs> yeah. Rogers. Yeah. As as a yeah, you're a you're a big Doctor Who fan if I remember right as well. <laughs> I am, yeah. As well as being in the universe, but that's um, that's very it, it is very, yeah. That's very Doctor Who or Blake Seven. Well, Doctor Who just implies that it was like leftover from a set from a nearby show, right? Isn't that what they would do is just repurpose things? Wasn't everything shot in the same studio for BBC Th- There shit was definitely uh, the early days of the BBC in general. There was a lot of makeshift there, there wasn't a lot of money or resources. Make do and mend. Yeah, that's what we like to say. Yeah, yeah. A lot of. I mean, there was no money, so things were just yeah repurposed and they just bedazzled a trash then, can and called it an alien. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. But then I often think that led to more exciting, interesting things. You know, when you've got, and, and then again, you know, like well, this is a whole other discussion. But early sci-fi, where they didn't have the budget, they would just you know you'd be about the build-up. You'd make things scary right. with not showing it in shadows and lighting and stuff, and which is sometimes better. We've talked on the sh- this show before about how. For example, Jaws is one of the most famous cases where the shark didn't look as good as Spielberg was hoping, so he ended up shooting it less and suggesting it more. Right, right. Mm. And vastly improving the film as a result. Yeah, and the first Alien doesn't have that much. Yeah. It's a lot of slow builds and... uh... And Moon, like maybe my favorite sci-fi movie ever, is a throwback to that sort of era. Have you guys seen Moon? I have seen Moon. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So great. And it's got some good uh, model work. It, it's not very CGI. The right, yeah, exactly. Like, there aren't that many effects, and the ones they use are like practical effects for the most part. Yeah, so uh, don't trust aliens so much. And we will link to these stories over on probablyscience.com, or if you click on... If you're using a, an iPhone, um, you can just click on our logo as you're listening, and it'll show all the show notes with links in it. And I thought most players had that, but maybe not. Some listeners say they can't do that. Um, hey, do you remember a while ago on the show where we had a story about 
a machine that can unboil egg whites. Yeah, that's right. Protein egg whites, which won an Ig Nobel Prize in 2015, last year. It might have important medical applications, its inventor says. Oh, ho, ho. So, all you sneerers, you Ig Nobel <laughs> Prize committee. Um, Professor Colin Raston, who's a if chem- you've got like a boiled egg stuck in you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just you're choking on yeah, choking you're... on albumin. Yeah, <laughs> get the machine. Wait, I forgot. Is that an actual word you guys use? Is that a? I never heard that before. It's not used on the regular. Okay, You'd say okay. egg white, I use but... it every day. <laughs> you take an and out of context, like wildly incorrectly. Yeah, I've lost a lot of friends. <laughs> uh, pass me that albumin. Get me some breakfast albumin. <laughs> oh, you got a bit of albumin just on your hair there. <laughs> You know, what, you know what would improve this sex session? <laughs> oh, it probably would, but albumin. yeah. A little albumin. Sorry, in this case, I, I mean condoms. I was just advocating right. that we practice safe sex. Oh, okay. And then the emergency robot leaves the room. <laughs> Not too soon for a callback. It would have been great. It just politely turns timid. around as yeah. it does. It doesn't actually leave. <laughs> just, everybody follows it. It, it like, dims on, its glowing antennae. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Colin Raston, professor at Flinders University at, in South Australia, has discovered that his Vortex fluidic device, VFD, can also slice tiny carbon nanotubes, CNTs. I mean, that's the best acronym. (laughs) 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 We are. VFD can slice the CNTs to uniform length with unprecedented precision. Individual CNTs, which are just a few nanometers in diameter, or about the width of a small virus, have incredible properties. They They are 200 times stronger than steel, yet five times more flexible and conduct electricity five times more efficiently than copper wires. But an inability to consistently create nanotubes with uniform lengths and properties has been one of several obstacles that has frustrated scientists' efforts to harness these materials, which can be used for highly targeted drug delivery in cancer therapy. When you make CNTs normally, they're entangled. It's like a bowl of spaghetti. They're all stuck together and they're different lengths, Professor Raston told the BBC. Shortening them currently requires toxic chemicals which can chemically alter the surface of the CNTs, changing their properties and limiting their functionality. Professor Raston's VFD, which mixes fluids inside a rapidly spinning glass tube, could offer a cleaner, faster alternative for cutting them down to size, also opening up applications for electronics. What our device does is untangle the carbon nanotubes and then slices them, so you overcome two problems in one go. Um... Man, that got sciencey fast. It did, right? It, it, well, that's I, yeah. that really sounded as well for for people listening at home. It sounded like Matt was reading that off, say, a website. But it he almost was, sounded like that. But he that's just how good was. He, he knew it. I just knew it. I just had he a, was saying just it just hunch. from his knowledge. I just saw a picture of the man on a test tube, and I've just inferred just the rest of it. Just started talking. It was incredible to so see. It's the story last CNTs. year. So when when an egg boils, what happens with egg whites is okay. they're the proteins are these long molecules. I know, Matt, but and just they, for the, view, yes, the viewers yeah, at home. And the heat, yeah. the heat causes them to entangle and change property and, and link up. And his machine detangles them. Okay. And I suppose he's now worked out that this detangling is also very useful for detangling these carbon nanotubes. And he uses just water, a liquid solvent, and a laser. His team was able to consistently produce CNTs with an average length of 170 nanometers without degrading their properties. The results were published in Nature's Scientific Reports. It's one of the highest tensile strength materials, and yet you put it in a liquid and you spin it in a special way, and with a laser you can cut it down. And these sliced CNTs are small enough for drug delivery vehicles and could also improve the efficiency of solar cells. That's pretty cool. Oh, 
Also, the idea was conceived on a 15-hour flight from Los Angeles to Sydney in 2010. Uh, I've done that flight, and I conceived of watching three films and yeah. sleeping for a bit. <laughs> but he's... I have done that flight as well. I watched all three Taken movies. <laughs> I'm not... I don't regret my decision. <laughs> I had a great time. And now you have a special set of skills. Yeah, exactly. I only watched the first... I've only seen the first one, and I watched it quite recently on a plane because I wanted to know what yeah. all the fuss was about. And it might be it's the most ridiculous, ridiculous film that I've seen it's in quite ridiculous. some time. But, uh, but it's pretty fun, right? I mean, it's... It is pretty it's fun. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, but it, I also like the the CNTs. It, but it, the whole film is basically your mum's fears, the movie. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's, well, I don't even know the plots of the sequel. So what, is it the same daughter or a different person he knows or who gets taken? Yeah, it's the daughter. And then, oh, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, what's, the, what's just like the first act of the next two movies or is that is it even that going to spoil it oh, I don't I, do you know what I sort of fell asleep during the second one sorry I've got to go back and watch it people get so people get wrong. taken every time though yeah Someone yeah gets I taken. think they're in like where are they Budapest or Istanbul or somewhere there's more taken no the third one is set here in dangerous LA oh and there is uh, is it a spoiler now taken three yeah, it's, I think it's okay Let's look away yeah. if you don't want to know the results Han, Han Solo dies sorry um, yeah and he has to. No, his wife gets killed. Oh, by baddies. Oh, and he is framed for the murder. Um, and so he has to take an responsibility for justice. <laughs> he's getting really tangential with the meaning of taken. Like, yeah, it's not as good. It's not as strong as say taken um, one, which is the best movie anyway so what does this mean for science Taken 1 is the Empire I, Strikes Back of the Takens yeah, I, I might so. by the way have unfairly maligned the Ig Nobel Committee which does say in this article that it honours scientific research that seems unusual or funny at first glance but on closer inspection has merit oh okay so the Ig Nobel Committee does accept the possibility that these things you're just have confused. value beyond yeah you're thinking quirkiness. of like uh, stuff like the, the Darwin Prize and um, I was thinking um, I was almost thinking the Ig Nobel Prize is to the no, to the to the Nobels what the Razzies is to the Oscars. Oscars yeah and in fact it's more it's more like Subtler. the sort of quirky independent film award kind it's of the BAFTAs to no it's not that either I don't know what it is um, it's more of like a Sundance or something I okay might... a slam dance maybe yeah mm, no yeah there's no good analogy um, if it doesn't if we don't relate it to movies I won't understand what yeah. it is so um, the VFD by the way this machine has what looks like a glass test tube about 20 millimeters in diameter tilted at a 45 degree angle it's spun at very high speeds when you're spinning it, you actually add liquid to the bottom of the tube through stainless steel jet feeds. The spinning, uh, the speed of the spinning tube, coupled with the incoming flow, creates intense, highly dynamic micro-mixing. Incredible. Again, sounds like he's reading it. it he almost, just knows... That's how good he, just, he is. He that's knows this stuff. This mechanical energy means the machine can create biodiesel without adding any heat and can also unravel and correctly fold proteins. Uh, this is how they, un- they unboiled an egg in previous years. Well, obviously, if you'd have followed... Um, the B, uh, well, sorry, BBC, ITV, the UK's horrible science. We did a whole episode on this for the kids. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was lots of stuff on like periodic table and then, you know, plants. And then we did a whole episode on the unraveling the CNTs. You unraveled those CNTs. Oh, okay. Well, in your country, that one, it, it that means a different thing. Like it's a compliment over there, right? Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's a delightful CNT. You I wouldn't j- say. Yeah. I joke, but this actually does sound wildly useful, doesn't it? Like, is it ways of forming things and yeah. changing? And yeah. So, is this this 
energy as it spins around. Can it be used for evil? That's my first question with Probably. any science discovery. I mean, the way the way the liquid moves, it has intense shearing force, and it bends mm. the nanotube, which creates a kink in the structure. With the nanotube bent, his team added vibrational energy using a near infrared laser to slice yeah, through his, the weakened kink where the tube is folded. On it. Um, yeah. This N- maybe good. this guy again who did this? Maybe he's going to be the first person to win an Ig Nobel and a Nobel. I, I don't know. What maybe this is not even close to a big enough. I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea what gets a Nobel Prize. I know this that is out of our, This is out of our wheelhouse. Yeah, I know that at this podcast has not even got close in recent years. That's, well, yeah, but this episode is only. This just could landed. be the one. This could be the. This episode could be it's the one. It's probably the Nobel Prize Committee have moved in next door. What if that's what he meant? You. That's really what he meant. Was they, they moved out of uh, what Stockholm? I don't know where, where are, they, are they over there. Somewhere in Northern Europe. Oh, right? sure. Probably Stockholm. It, I think so. It's the, definitely the Swedish. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Stockholm. That sounds right. Well, good work, people who are unraveling those CNTs, <laughs> sorting those CNTs out. Yeah, what do you got for us, Andy? Uh, actually, I've got a story from a friend of mine um, who I think we've mentioned in the show before. A guy I went to college with who actually uh, went far with his education and got a full-on PhD. And um, Stay in school, kids. Stay exactly. Make something of yourself. He sent me this article that is uh, the funniest thing I've read in a research, in a, in a published um, research paper in a while. So uh, there's a paper that was... Uh, published in plus one about the biomechanics of the human hand um but it ends up promoting intelligent design and throughout the paper the author literally cites quote the creator (laughs) it was quickly retracted after publication but it's interesting that it was able to make it through the review process plus one has a reputation for a review process that's less rigorous and based more on methods and less on scientific importance but um i think i could just post uh, I have an actual PDF of this, and I'll see if it's available online. If so, we'll link to it in our show notes, or else maybe I could just upload it somewhere. But yeah, it's this um, article published by four Chinese researchers, and across every page is a giant retracted uh, watermark. So yeah, some of the places where it mentions the creator include, let's see. So yeah, it's all about the mechanics of the human hand. They say things like the explicit functional link indicates that the biomechanical characteristics of tendinous connective tissue, tendinous connective architecture between muscles and articulations is the proper design by the creator to perform a multitude of daily tasks in a comfortable way. Like it's just all this really academic stuff. And then (laughs) three times they just sneak in the word, the creator, Uh, thus hand coordination affords humans the ability to flexibly and comfortably control the complex structure to perform numerous tasks. Hand coordination should indicate the mystery of the creator's invention. <laughs> I mean, historically, science and sort of Christianity and religion weren't always so diametrically opposed. Really. I mean, that's back when it, but it, science was kind of taking off. People had to write like that to sort of get to, it, to placate somebody. To, yeah, I'm sure. But I'm sure they, they were say doing like, it. You know, the whole thing was like, well, there were, you know, there were miracles in the past, and that's all great. But now we just want to work out how things work. Right. But right. also, you'd go religion just to be clear they are talking about the creator as in god and not tyler the creator no they're talking about yeah they're big fans of uh of uh uh, i forgot the name of the fucking odd future odd future yeah yeah um i'm pretty hip kids um yeah that's what they're referring (laughs) to and in conclusion our study can improve the understanding of the human hand and confirm that the mechanical architecture is the proper design by the creator for dexterous performance of numerous functions following blah 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 wait following the evolutionary remodeling of the ancestral hand for millions of years so they both uh, attribute 
to the creator and to evolution. So it's an interesting dichotomy. But yeah, that was uh, quickly retracted, and no one noticed it on the first go. But I think even Darwin tried to write within sort of Christian world, didn't he? He sort of, because it was too... Black. Maybe. And it's seen as now as being this completely, it's like disproving religion, but he was sort of just trying to say... Yeah, I mean, I could see it being... God created everything, and now since then, and then it's evolved on its own since. Right, I right. I think so. But he was probably, like you say, you never know who's trying to please who. Yeah, it's probably just like saying grace before dinner or something. It wasn't like actually part of the meal. It was like a... You want to piss token. off your, uh, yeah. the people who are giving you the money. Right, but uh, yeah, Eric Williams, thank you for sending that one. That's awesome. And I'll try to find a way to put this up because I mean, it's a lot of, it's a 16 page paper with a lot of in-depth analysis and then just three quick shout outs to the creator for making this all happen. <laughs> well, what I want to know is, is the other, other scientific elements of that paper accurate still? Right. I was curious about that. Also. It was retracted for that for fairly obvious reasons, but is there real science? Like, like you were saying, Tom, like. Are, are these shout out, are they shout outs to God in addition to actual valid justifiably peer reviewed science or is the whole thing bunk well it's like there's enough diagrams and stuff that if you saw this set up as a science project you'd be like oh it's a good science project you know it's which is like which I think is the, core boards and yeah it's the only condition you really need for all science right it, it doesn't look cool on foam core yeah it's set up in a gymnasium with like a little volcano in front of it doesn't look legit and it and it does look legit from that angle so Maybe more stuff needs, like, shout-outs in science, to, you know, if it's not going to change it. Could be like, you know, the, 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 here's a hand, like Liam Neeson's got. <laughs> Shout-out to Liam, love those, love those movies, love not those the last tickets. one so much. They're missing a trick, actually. <laughs> it wouldn't cost very much at all to sponsor a scientific paper, would it? That's a good point. Yeah, how much, how, how much can you buy one of these guys off for and right. have them sneak in nonsense? Just sneak in... Well, that's a thing that's happened also. I think people just... Like Matt Kirshen uses so dexterously every day. Yeah. Yeah, well, the ultimate version of that is naming new organisms and... Or planets or stars after people. I think the ultimate version is uh, when a podcast listener creates a video game and sneaks in (laughs) the names of the hosts of their favorite podcast, is what I think. Surely that's never happened, Andy. You'd be surprised. You'd have to give me at least one example of that. (laughs) Oh, really? Because it just so happens a listener by the name of Josh Leeper created a game. um, Actually, it's been around for a while. He sent it to us when he had the first version of it, I want to say a year or two ago. Um, It's called Simian Interface. And he, uh, I want to see his exact words on this. Simeon Interface, did you say? Simeon Interface. Simeon.interface. You can play it on the web or there is an app in the iTunes store. Um, And he told us that our names were going to be hidden in the update to the game as random proper nouns that can be selected in certain story screens. And he included some screen grabs to show us examples of our names in the game. And that was... Just uh, just shows how cheaply we can be bought off. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I also think it's a fun game. It's a really simple interface that quickly gets more complex and is just a fun time killer. It's a, yeah, it's a great... It's, it's, what, it's, what a, it's what an iOS game should be, which is a thing that you can do while you're waiting at the car wash and it'll keep you entertained. So uh, check out Simeon.interface or just Simeon Interface in the iTunes store or uh, visit the website to play it for free. And thanks again, Josh, for listening and for that little shout out in the game. It has that sort of gameplay thing of it's very simple. It's a very simple game that becomes incredibly annoying. Yeah. Like incredibly uh, frustrating. But like you can't put it. Yeah. 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 yeah, It uh, becomes it. He gets a lot of complexity out of a very simple concept. Yeah. yeah. Which I appreciate. That that might be a better way of putting it, but I'll, 
So thanks for the video-based shout-out, Josh. Matt, do you have a story? I guess bringing it around as well to talk about scientists naming things. Uh, Maybe Bodie McBoatface has come out of of the fact that scientists do have a habit of naming things in boring... Yeah, I mean... You know, ways. Surely a a lot of... An important aspect of science is public outreach. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's what... And engaging... You, you, we're kidding, but we're not kidding. Because, like, think of what how much uh, Chris Hadfield did for the ISS by doing, you know, not silly, but things that were more pedestrian experiments that people wanted to see, like wringing out a wet towel in space. Like, Bodie McBoatface is stupid, mm. but, like, if that continues as the name, this will be a story when the boat launches. Therefore, the research might get a little more publicity because we're joking about the name. And We've already does. talked about this research vessel for... 10 minutes more than we ever would ever would have if it wasn't Bodie McBoatface right so it's not it's 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 all for a good reason yeah this could be the what's what's the opposite of the cobra effect what's the cobra the effect? cobra effect is the neg is the unintended negative com- uh, consequences oh. it's the it comes from the story of supposedly the british in india offering um offering a reward for every dead cobra that cobra that was brought Mm-hmm. to them because it was a cobra problem so after a while people started breeding cobras so that they could <laughs> kill it and bring it and then once that was realized they they went oh that was a mistake so cancelled the reward so those people who were breeding the cobras then just released them all <laughs> and, and that that so, seems apocryphal that's it, uh... it is actually there's there's not necessarily good evidence for that i was just reading about this the other day which is why i happened to know about it but um there's not necessarily the best evidence for it, but what there is definitely evidence for is is the rat effect, which was, I can't remember where it was, but it was this, a similar story, and there is evidence for this having happened. I can't... Let me find out where it was. Um, but a reward was offered for dead rats. Or no, I should change it. A reward was offered for rat tails. Okay. Uh, to prove that you kill this rat. But then people started capturing rats alive cutting off their tails to get the reward and then releasing them back no they don't grow back but then releasing them back so they can continue to breed to create more rats that they could then have tails okay um but there so that's it yeah that now gets used as the as a term for a negative an unexpected unintended negative consequence of what might have seemed like a good idea i like it this is the opposite this is potential good consequence of what might seem like a terrible idea yeah i'm all for Bodie mcboatface and if, those guys, if they're smart they'll stick with they won't try to or, or not the titanic because that's also that's equally funny <laughs> almost that's <laughs> i'm the captain of not the titanic <laughs> uh hanoi there we go is in hanoi Van- vietnam under french colonial rule was the the rat thing the rat tails okay and uh, this was this was definitely recorded because colonial officials began noticing rats with no tails. Ah. The Vietnamese rat catchers would capture them, remove their tails, and then release them back to the sewers so they could procreate and produce more rats. We've got a couple of options for stories. Sent in by Jake Young. Eagles have been trained by the Dutch police to tackle the pesky drone problem. The Dutch are using an ingenious, low-cost, totally organic solution to the country's increasing drone problem. They're having eagles trained to attack the flying machines as they would their usual prey. Drones are becoming a major problem all over the world. They block airspace and interfere with official operations like emergency air ambulance landings. Despite regulations, drone operators are able to get away with misuse. They're often hidden from view, making it difficult for authorities to detect their exact position and take action against them. 
The Dutch police were looking at tech-based solutions like remotely taking control of drone operating systems, but forcing a drone to auto-land could backfire as it could go completely out of control. And also having an eagle is way cooler. That's <laughs> definitely cool. got a factor in it. Raptor training company Guards from Above came up with a much better idea to make use of eagles' natural hunting instincts. Guards from Above claim to be the first company in the world to use birds of prey to intercept hostile drones. They're now assisting the Dutch police force to create a, fle- a fleet of police eagles that are trained to attack and snatch drones in midair using their strong talons. The video is amazing for this. Did you watch the video? I haven't yet watched the video. <laughs> the eagle the sees the drone as its prey, ex- uh, explains to someone who works for the company. So he takes it, he tries to take it to a safe location and guard it once he gets there. So uh, we are now watching a video of it. Watching it. This eagle is fucking this drone up, mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. these eagles oh, are yeah. massive. So it takes it to a corner. Yeah, it's like it's got it's got its prey, then it takes it to a safe place so it can then devour it. <laughs> it fucks up that drone. Oh, that yeah. drone's got nothing. That drone really cannot do anything. The, the drone is massively outsized by this eagle. The practicality no, the, of the idea... Wait, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no. I just worry about the rat effect here. Will people start putting more drones mm. in the air That's just, true. just be because awesome. they want to see an eagle take <laughs> it out? <laughs> They're uh, like a hundred bucks on Amazon. Yeah, They're worth like, it just to I'm see. I'm gonna see an eagle take this <laughs> yeah. boy out. I'm yeah. gonna get some good, good YouTube hits if I film that. <laughs> um, the practicality of this idea is currently being tested. It'll be a couple of months before they decide if it's the best solution or not. Eagles are highly skilled at mid-air intercepts, so there isn't much of a risk of the drone going out of control or falling on people. But with larger drones, the safety of the birds could be a concern. Their legs or talons might suffer some damage from large carbon fiber parts. To solve this problem. The company is also working on a protection system from the birds. So now we've got armored eagles. Armored eagles. <laughs> They've got indestructible talons. They're being trained to kill. Excellent. Yeah, this I think we're already seeing how this could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Who's yeah. watching the Watchmen? Yeah, where are the birds that take out the eagles? I don't know about this. Then there's too many eagles, so then we've got to start sending up bigger birds. <laughs> yep. Massive drones to take out the eagles. Now we're working. Now that we're working, if we can like somehow fly lions across. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was going to suggest drone drone surveillance of your neighbor. That's not a bad idea. You know? Except again, the point is he's never home. He's either an actor or a shitty dad. And, right. and also for me, the point I think Actors the point is never shitty dads. <laughs> Why can't he be both? Yeah, <laughs> we've um, we've already crossed far into the realm of creepy, and I'm not sure oh, we're yeah. going to dance any further into that. And but then, if an eagle takes the drone out, you'll know it's a Dutch celebrity. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which really does limit it. That's going to bring it right down. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder... or an eagle, le- 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 celebrity eagle. Lives there. <laughs> There's a famous like, si- like <laughs> Sam from the Muppets or something. It's an like... eagle actor. Yeah, I, yeah. I do wonder if they ever find out about this podcast. Like, I have to move. I can't live with people knowing that I'm this much of a creep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if they happen to, upon this, if they ever hear us mention it in the backyard, and then like do some googling, and, oh. oh, we're the worst. We're the worst. This this also this story is a good example of the sort of science that people, you know, as exciting as the egg thing is, people, an eagle attacking a drone has got everything you want. Oh, yeah. It's very, you know, cinemagraphics. Cinemagraphics. It looks nice. It's It's got, the optics are good on this. Yeah. People love that word now, right? Just in a political context. Optics. Um, You guys haven't heard that much? What is it? 
just meaning the spin on a story, just like the angle. Like, we've got to control the optics on this. Like, yeah. the talking points, sort of. You haven't heard that term in a political context? I haven't, but I'm probably now going to notice it many times. I'm too buried optics. in my love of science to worry about politics. <laughs> um, I do feel as though that, that you know, sh- there's going to be a good show in that. Some sort of eagle versus drone. Oh, like battle bots, but one of the animals is a real animal that might yeah. die. Yeah. So, so you've you- got to build a drone capable of taking down an eagle. <laughs> That's what that show was missing, was the stakes of actual loss of life. Like, of, of an animal people care about. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, eagle versus robot. Yeah, you get complaints, but that's just going to get you more viewers. It's the bear baiting of the 21st century. If you do want to see that video, by the way, we post the links as we do with all our links at probablyscience.com and also on the app. Uh, there you can also find the donate button. And you can, set, you can either donate an individual one-off amount or you can set up a monthly donation. Uh, which Caroline Laco, Anderson Jones, and Paul Freeland all have, all of whose donations have come through this week. So thank you very much, all of you. The other way you can help us financially is if you're shopping on Amazon at all. Go to our link first. Set that link as your Amazon link on your bookmarks in your web browser of choice, and you won't have to remember typing it in. It'll just autocomplete. We get a little kickback. It costs you no extra. Cool. Um so please do that. I know a lot of you do. We really appreciate it. And a lot of you also donate, and we appreciate that. Um, I haven't said this for a while, but if you have donated money to us and you have yet to hear your voice being announced mid-show in a thankful context, please don't feel like you're being in any route, uh, in any way rude by writing to us going, what the fuck, you missed me. Uh, I gave you money and you haven't thanked me. Please, we'd like to thank everyone. Sometimes emails or names get skipped over. So do that. Uh, the other way you can really help us out is by spreading the word. You can tweet, uh, Facebook, tell your friends if you know people who like podcasts but don't know about ours, or if you know people who haven't tried podcasts but like comedy and or science and or nonsense, then tell them. And also subscribe if you're not already subscribing, particularly through the iPhone app. That really helps boost our numbers, and as does writing nice things about us on iTunes. That is actually and, immensely helpful. And yeah, I, I, and giving us nice five-star ratings. We really appreciate that. I was going to say, we should uh, we should thank people that have done that recently. Um, oh, and as I... <laughs> As I say that, I hadn't checked the reviews in a while. There's a fresh one-star review. So, uh, yeah, no thanks. Um, but before that, we got one from um, E. Wody, who gave us five stars and said, Learn and laugh. Two of the best worlds collide into the most magnificent podcast available. A nice dive into the science world with current events and interviews with the injection of good humor. So thank you for that, E. Wody. Why don't you please join E. Wody and uh, give us a nice review in iTunes. It costs you nothing, and it actually does help spread it, the word It the does show. really help us. Um, do we have time for one more story quickly before if we finish? If it's a quick one, if why not? If it's a good one. Yep. I don't know. I don't know how Eagles whether we can... Eagles versus drones. It's been a bit good show. Yeah, it is yep. hard to, it's hard to trump Eagles versus drones. Just make one up. Uh, Did you read about the robot that can, sh- it, that can shoot fire? <laughs> at if only. Pedophiles? Um, there's, um, what's, 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 what's that called again? Peedbot 2000? <laughs> well, our, friend, our friend Justin Broad has sent in quite a lot of stories. Uh, I don't want to bring you away from your very... No, that improv was going really well, Matt, but look, I'm going to... I need an out. <laughs> um, uh, as our guest, Tom, would yeah. you like one of three stories? Um, can I read? Can I... Not that you're reading, Matt. Your knowledge is not No. Would, would you like okay. laser-propelled spacecraft could reach Mars in 30 minutes? Didn't Energy we do from that cell one? phone towers. Am I crazy? Maybe we did. Maybe we did. We did that. Energy from cell phone towers amplifies pain in amputees, 
or arachnid with 99 million year erection found entombed in amber? Come on, what do you think the answer is? I do like when amputees suffer. But <laughs> let's hear about this erection, shall we? Are you sure we haven't done this also? This is how little I remember about our own show. That might, we might have done that. <laughs> Just know. to clarify, like I don't enjoy done, when amputees also, suffer. I know guys. there's been a quite, Sorry. it's been quite some months since we actually really. We've we've got a massive build backlog of stories that people have sent in because we were traveling for a while and also we've had a couple of special episodes, with, episodes right, yeah. with special guests on. Sure, uh, let's do the ninety nine million year old boner and just including see what by the way, we should mention a uh, friend of the show, Jan Eleven, who was briefly featured in our LIGO special episode, has her book is just about to come out. It's coming out really soon and it's available for pre order now. And it's all about the people behind LIGO. So if you enjoyed the episode that we did about it, she's got an episode She's got a book where she's she's interviewed all of the main players involved in that huge gravitational wave discovery, and she's a great writer, but also obviously yes, a very talented is. physicist. So she really gets she'll have everything covered. So if you're into the kind of stuff that you listen you hear on the show, get her book. We'll put a link on probablyscience.com as well. Wow, what with between her and me, we've really got some of the big names in science on. Yeah, the biggest <laughs> Bob the so, humanoid. Yeah, and I mean, I'm interested in this because. In our kids' science show, we did we talked a lot about um, erections. <laughs> All right, so an it's erection late, it's late in the show. Late an the arachnid show, with an erection nearly half the size of its body has been found in Southeast Asia, preserved in amber for millions of years. It was entombed in amber. Matt has 90... it as a screensaver on his phone. <laughs> Ninety-nine oh, coincidentally, because wow. it was before this story happened. Yeah. <laughs> I've looked at the picture, yeah. 99 million million years ago, uh, it was entombed in amber while sitting on a tree in Myanmar. You may know it as Burma. Uh, The unfortunate fate of the arachnid, a relative to the the daddy longlegs called the Halitherses Grimaldihad, was revealed in the Science of Nature journal. And scientists from the Berlin Museum for Natural History said the find was the first to capture a penis of this nature in amber. But not a penis of any nature, because as you know... I have many a time captured oh, yeah. my own penis we, we, in amber. Who doesn't have some amber dicks on their on their shelf? Right. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. But the uh, exciting thing about anything trapped in amber is it means you can make a, a theme park from it. Right. Yeah, it's true. So I I think that it's going to be. I'm excited already. A theme park entirely of arachnid, arachnid penises. Arachnid. <laughs> Jurassic Park. But yeah. something goes wrong. <laughs> something I think went wrong very early in the planning stages of this yeah. one. As yeah. as as they say, erections find a way, right? Isn't yeah, that exactly. Jeff Goldblum's catchphrase? Yeah. So the arachnid is in the Harvestman group, a diverse group with more than sixty six hundred species, and only thirty eight fossil species are known. By the way, the Harvestman does sound like an old folk band. It does. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a guy playing banjo. Uh, besides being ninety nine million years, uh, wait. Besides being a long ninety nine. Whatever. Besides the fact that this is a super old um, thing, the fossilized phallus shows prehistoric <laughs> harvestmen mated in the same way as animals do today. The penis had a slender, distally flattened truncus, a spatulate, heart-shaped glands, and a short distal stylus twisted at the tip. The article stated. Oh yeah. If I had a nickel for a time, I've heard that. Um, <laughs> no living harvestman has a penis with exactly this shape. <laughs> Which was the the slogan of the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their first album was yeah this is the first record of a male copulatory organ of this nature preserved in amber and is of special importance due to the ad- age of the deposit that's gonna look great on the end of a staff isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> Just... <laughs> people know you mean business if you come in with a people have seen jurassic park and they don't just think anyway 
Um, so yeah, uh, unlike male spiders and scorpions, which use modified legs to transfer sperm to females in tidy packets, most harvestmen, including the one found in the amber fossil, insert into genital openings next to the female's mouth parts. Uh, so, oof, buy him a drink for this. The research right? team, led by the museum's Jason Dunlop, says the penis of the harvestman was usually hidden inside the body when not in use. In the taxonomy of modern harvestmen, penis anatomy is extremely important. Each species has its own unique structure, the research team said. Also, the major groups or families of the harvestmen have different penis forms. So far, only a few fossil harvestmen have revealed their penis, which makes it difficult to compare them effectively with a living species. But the tour is young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> harvestmen, reveal your penis. <laughs> to be fair, they live in a cold climate. I mean, let's not, let's not force them to uh, get out of their comfort zone. Um, so what so have we learned from... Is I it, don't know if we learned... We just learned that, that uh, this is a super old dick. And uh, be it, careful! You can easy to get to get distracted when you have an erection. Watch for, watch for sap falling from yeah. tre- if you're clinging to a tree. Be careful. Do you think? Do you think that one died because it was the kind of arachnid that was always getting its dick out? <laughs> it's like it's like a, a party a, foul. Yeah, bit of a bro. I, it seems like this is this is also the world's first. I mean, I guess it's not a dick pic per se, but it's like a right. 3D printed version of a dick pic. Yeah. yeah. Um. In fact, well, there's a picture of it on this in this article, so that so might that be the world's oldest. Yeah. It's the world's oldest dick pic. It literally might be the world's oldest dick pic, and it's uh, what about a total of a millimeter in length? Well, things were smaller in those days. <laughs> we could just end on this, can we? Maybe we can. <laughs> Maybe we have to. Tom, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? If you've enjoyed my contribution <laughs> to. <laughs> tonight's show um be sure to uh tune in i, I have a, i have um where would you find me i've got the usual array of social media so I, my twitter is at tom bell forever uh as is my instagram which is mostly just sort of insectoid dicks right right um i've got uh, a facebook but that's just for my friends and families you can't go on that um I've got. Uh, I live next door, <laughs> so you can always pop around. What else? Uh, my website is tombell.org. There's not a great deal on there, but there's you know, get involved. Um, horrible science. Keep an eye out for that. I did a show called uh, Doctor Thorne, which is um, uh, might should be coming to the US soon, which is a period drama, which is very exciting. Nice. Actually, a lord. Ah, um, I can see you as a lord. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so, and do you see me as a lord? Or? I see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lordly. Yeah. Then I'm, not, I'm sorry. I should have been quicker to the. So, so check check Tom out of all those places. You can check us out at probablyscience.com and Twitter at probablyscience, and you can find us individually at Matt Kirshen and at Andy T Wood. Also check out Jesse Case and Jesse versus Cancer, our sister podcast. Um, and uh, for your private investigator and security needs, oh, check yeah. out Anthony Burnside. Right. For, for all of that, you can, as always, find all... You can email us at probablyscience at gmail.com. You can tweet stories at us. You can find us on Facebook as well. And at probablyscience.com is also where I donate. And Amazon links and uh, can be found. And also spread the word. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Again, one of the, one of the first people I ever met in comedy. That's true. Reunited. This is probably the first time we've been reunited then. This is the first time I think we've done something professionally together. Yeah. Or comedic together. That's generous professional. In 15 years. 
After reading that last review in iTunes, I'm like, is this professional? I don't know. Never. Read oh, you're reviews. letting it get to you. Never read the no, reviews. I'm spinning. I'm spinning hard. Yeah. What did he say? I don't want to read it. I don't want to tell our listeners what people don't like about us. Go on and give us some good reviews to make up for this bad one, guys. I mean, he was commenting on partly about the sound quality because we had those two episodes that had the problems. So, yeah, that's fair. Whatever. That's an anomaly, and we apologize. But uh, let's not dwell on that. Let's move on with our lives. I'm going to go out and have a drink, or many. Um, Imagine this at the beginning of your spiral. This is just, yeah. It was one star. (laughs) One star. I mean, one star? He said he liked the LIGO episode. One star. Oh. oh no! So it was a pre. Somebody who used to like it, and his. I think he came to the show recently because of our gravitational wave episode. Then he was like, "Oh, they're probably all like this, and sometimes they're just dick jokes. they're negging you." Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he does say his name's Mystery. Yeah, this makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you, thank you again so much, yes, Tom Bell. Thank you, thank you listeners. Please we will see you next week. Yeah.